2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Really Riley?
0: Really Riley?
2: Really Riley? Really Riley? Really Riley?
0: (laughs) Really Riley? Are you ready?
1: This is the Really Riley Podcast. Woo!
2: Hello, beloveds. Welcome back to Really Riley. Happy Friday. I appreciate you so much for being in my little corner of the world, especially today, because I've been sharing a lot of past traumas with you guys lately. And I will truly say like, it's been a road of emotions. You know there's times that after I'm done with the podcast or I hear it or I get feedback from you guys that I'm so cleansed and I feel so much lighter. And then there's some days where some of the trauma kicks back up. And I don't want to say that I relive it, but it does make me go how? How did I go through that? But it also makes me really proud how much I've changed in life and, you know, gone through adversity and lived through things and come out on the better side of it. And you guys have a really big chunk in my healing and my moving forward and my future. So that's what this podcast is about today. Um, you guys have asked for more podcasts with the trio of me, Sarah Frazier and Natasha Elisa. Um I love doing these podcasts with them and I love that you guys love it too. And sitting down with these women has really given me the cur- courage, as I choke on my words, you know, to talk more about my past, um, this time with domestic abuse. And I've talked about this you know, in bits and pieces throughout the years in my life, in radio and in podcasting a little bit, um, but never in depth like this. Um, if I, I don't want this to be a trigger for anyone. So maybe a little bit of a trigger warning here, if you've been through, you know, relationship trauma or domestic abuse yourself. Um, but I wanted to do this to, Give you guys a little bit more of the backstory on me and what we got this, my motto truly means. And if anyone ever says that I have this beautiful fairy tale relationship now with my husband, Marshall, it was not always so. And I made a lot of mistakes and ignored a lot of red flags. But you can come out on the other side and grow and be better for it all, no matter how much it hurts. So I'm giving you a great big fat really Riley hug if this was ever you or if you're in this and you feel like you have nowhere to turn and you don't know how to get out of it. There is always a way and you do really have this. You can do this if this is you. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys love this podcast with my new castmates I don't know <laughs> like yeah I just really hope that you guys connect with this in some way and I appreciate you for listening so here it is
0: we need an official team now for the three of us I don't know what it is I don't know team radio? I know we
2: need to figure that out I don't know what it is either because that's like such a big like special thing that it's got to be thought out yeah.
0: What should we call it? Anyway, um, look, we're back together. Uh, you guys loved our episode so much, our two-parter with Riley Couture, formerly of the Kane Show, your morning show. We all know our girl, Natasha Elisa, longtime blogger, also tied to radio forever and ever, um, and myself. And so we wanted to come back because Riley, I think we all I know Natasha and I both, when you brought this up on the two-parter, wanted to get into it but it was kind of almost like a whole nother life story of yours that we th- we mm-hmm. were both drawn to and we thought okay this story has to be told and it will help so many other women too and that was that you brought up that you had been in a just a violent relationship right like you were you were a survivor of domestic violence and so I think yeah. I don't know how you felt in that, but when Riley when you said that I was like okay that's a whole nother story I want to hear about her life
1: I had no idea. I know. And you mentioned it like kind of just so casually, like slipped it Mm -hmm. in. It's like, wait a minute. There's a lot to unpack there.
2: What's interesting about that is that I've kind of briefly touched on this, too, that I was a child of trauma and everything like that. So trauma in my life and relationships and the way that they were shown to me growing up was normal, if if you will. And it's just... When I bring it up so nonchalant, I guess maybe it's because it was like 15 years ago now, but it was probably some of the most traumatic times of my life. Interesting enough, as well, in the other podcast, a lot of people were commenting on Instagram saying that like there was a lot of pauses with me. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, well, I've blocked out a lot of the things like in daily life but then when you talk about it, it comes back. Like I was actually leaving the gym today and I was thinking about a lot of the things that happened within that relationship. And I was just like, wow. I often tell my husband that I'm like, if you knew that girl, I don't know if you would have got down on one knee because she is, at least I hope, 90% the antithesis of who I am now. Like the we got this girl was not that. Um, But it was definitely a time in my life that I would never relive but I'm glad that I learned so much about myself from that relationship, because had I not, I don't think I would have been prepared to have the loving marriage that I have now. Um mm. Like one point I want to make before I say this with everybody is one of the biggest things is people ask me, how did you get past that emotionally and physically abusive relationship to get you where you are with Marshall, my husband now? And my answer to that is always, well, I had to look inwardly a lot. And a lot of people don't think about it that way. When you're the victim of abuse, I had to go inside and go, What did I think of myself that I was accepting that? What did I not love about me that I allowed those things to happen and got engaged not once, but twice to the same person? Like it wasn't something that I even left. I mean, we can get into that too, but I definitely say like anybody that's going through this, I'm not saying blame yourself, I'm saying, when you go to the other side and you get to your happiness, just make sure you clear up the stuff in your heart that was broken there, that you revisit how to love you. Because I feel like if you love yourself more than anybody else in the world ever could, then you're going to meet that person that maybe tops that. I did. I mean, I, I don't mean to be like, hee hee, but I'm so grateful for that time because now I was able to appreciate my husband today. So.
1: Sarah always tells me like healed people attract healed people,
2: right? Isn't it crazy? Like it's so elementary if you really think about it. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody's journey, but the choose happy thing that it still annoys me to this day is a lot easier than you would think when you break it down in small steps. And I think that was my biggest step to getting past that. I think I'm jumping ahead of myself like I should have been at the end, but no, <laughs> no, no.
0: But and I always an, an abuser can always find somebody that isn't healed. You know, they they thro- they they prey on someone that's not healed because to your point, w- once you did all the work and the inner work, you weren't going to attract that. Per- that guy was never going to come back to you because he didn't have the control over you. So so abusers always find that person that that isn't healed go back and and nat jump in but start tell mm-hmm. us like how you met him i think the thing that's so important about this conversation i wanted to do today and you ladies jump in is domestic violence is something that can really sneak up on you they always mm-hmm. they start great they you know and it can be year it can be a year in it can be two years in, you know and unfortunately we all know women and you riley nat you have your own story i mean it's so common. It's so common. Mm-hmm. And they, they often don't start out that way. So yeah. I think this conversation yeah. is important because if, if one person hears the red flags and sees it in someone they're starting to mm-hmm. date, can save their life.
2: Yes, 100%. 100%. So when I met him, um, I was doing radio in Memphis and I was... How old were you? 28 when we met. So I think this is important to note. I was in this phase, which makes me laugh now because I got married and had my latest son at 40. You know, I was thinking at 28, my clock is ticking. Oh my God, I'm never going to find anybody. I just broken up with this boo-boo loser that was also like, like emotionally abusive, abusive in his own way. And I had this like epiphany moment. We had this big thing called the Peabody Hotel rooftop party. It was the biggest party in Memphis. So we were like the Kings and Queens of that, The you know, morning show hosts or whatever, especially in Memphis, because it's a smaller town or whatever. And I guess I was like a mini celebrity. And I had this little moment where I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to invite like five, six people to this party tonight. And I'm going to see who I like and see who shows up. And he was the only one that showed up. Um, and I remember him telling me that that night he saw me on stage and that he fell in love with me then because I was doing something he could never do that I was so luminous on stage and he was like kind of introverted in a sense and that I was just so like unicorn to him. Uh, But we started dating very fast. Um, two weeks in, he picked me up for like a golf outing. He had flowers. He told me, you know, I told my friends, you're my girlfriend. Think about that for a second. didn't ask me, But I was just so like, oh, my God, yes, because he was four years older than me. He was making good money then. Um, He looked great on paper, right? He was divorced. He had a son. And this is another red flag that I did not pay attention to. He almost never saw said son, at least when we were first together. It was like he had such animosity towards his son's mother, another red flag. Hmm. And he was angry that he had to pay child support, all of the things, right? Ignored all of that because I was so just oh my god, this could be my person. He seemed so great on paper. he was you know, a semi-attractive man and was fit and whatever. and he was a professional everything that seemed like this safe protective place that I hadn't had in my father figures before or in boyfriends before. Um, and we just seemed to be so fiery and clicked, but it went south really freaking fast we were together for like two months. Now, mind you, in this stage of my life, I was looking for my husband and every Tom, Dick and Harry there was. So mm-hmm. very early in, we started talking marriage and we went out one night and got wasted drunk. This was our favorite pastime together, was just drinking. And he tend to be a very angry drunk. I was an emotional drunk. Um, and honestly, this is parts of the, this relationship. And I think this is important to know that people that have been through very big trauma situations sometimes have lapses and holes in these things. But I don't remember what we argued about, but we were arguing in some drunken-fueled thing. And I remember him calling me a see you next Tuesday. And I started going off on him and screaming, because mind you, I'm a strong ass woman, right? So I'm not like in the corner just, oh my God, how could you call me that? I am fierce. And I remember him backhanding me so hard that I spun because I was like 106 pounds soaking wet then. And I remember like hitting the floor, like what the fuck? Did that just happen? Whoa. It was just the, the world stopped but spun at the same time. And I remember not making him leave. He was going out of town the next day for a few days to go visit family. And I remember he stayed the night. He woke up the next day and was, he was the one trying to say like, well, maybe this won't work out. I don't know. Da And I'm the one going, no, we can get past this. It'll be okay. And two months in, because I was so set on this being the, my, this was it. This had to be it. This is what I deserved, which is insanity to me now. So he left and came back. And when he came back, he had this Pandora bracelet for me, because jewelry was my thing. It was so thoughtful. It had the birthstones of our month. It had like a birth, a, a, a doggy chain for my dog, Pink which is interesting that he gave me that because this was my next red flag. I'll get to that in a second. But I was just like, okay, he's he's not gonna do it again. He wouldn't, he was just drunk, which is so, for lack of a better word, cliche of a lot of abuse stories. And Can I
1: ask you Riley, before you keep going, yeah. do you think, cause I recognize a lot of this in myself, what you're saying, yeah, it was almost so incredibly clever and manipulative of him instead of like he knew this is the first time that he's done this to laid hands on you and he was probably in tune to like if you had abandonment issues from having father issues that he went straight into the i'm going to make her think i'm going to leave her because then instead of focusing on my behavior i'm going to hit that deep-rooted fear and when you you get that that fear you you forget everything else
2: because he did, because okay, I, you pegged it. Same right thing, away. same thing. And yeah, it's was like, then you come and you give the gift, you make this monumental like thing of in the bracelet, he had the month that we wanted to get married and like, okay, I gave you the fear that I'm going to leave. Let you sit on that for a weekend and come back with this big, beautiful present. And I played on everything. Ugh. It's like each charm in that fucking bracelet was like a piece of my dream that I wanted So we were fine, I guess, for a little while. And, um, my puppy pink was only a couple of months old at that time. She was the, he was the only person she ever bit in her life, which should have been a red flag. But one day I came home and pink was cowering underneath my bed. And I was like, what happened? He's like, this fucking dog bit me. I was like, why did she bite you? Cause she'd never, she was a puppy. She was like this she, tiny little thing. She was a little miniature pincher Chihuahua mix. Wow. And he said that she had pissed on his nice coat. And I remember being like, what the fuck did he do to this dog to have, cause Pink was a sprightly little thing. You know, she would bark and whatever. And I kind of ignored that, which for me is like, you know, Pink was my first baby before I had babies. And the next time there was an incident with the dog, I came home and he was putting away groceries and the door was wide open and I was like, where's Pink? He's like, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, you know, she ran out of the house and I had to get this groceries and I had to get the groceries in the fridge before they went bad. I was like, excuse me, what? Like my dog is missing and you're just putting away milk? So I ran through the neighborhood and Pink, Pink. Luckily enough, she was just at the playground or whatever, but locked it out, didn't think that that was another red flag. And maybe some of this wouldn't have been so awful had there not been that first slap. Um, Riley, I,
0: I have a question. After that first slap, I mean, did, okay, so did he apologize at all or he just went into this mode of like I'm leaving you we, we're we're not kind of putting the guilt back on you like was there any yeah. acknowledgement because I have to imagine that was the first time you'd ever been hit by a man right
2: by a boyfriend yes yeah. <laughs>
0: by a boyfriend right and so it, it was it was it that shocking or was it something like you had seen before and so at the time it didn't really register how bad that was
2: I don't think it was that bad to me because my biological father beat the shit out of my mom. Mm. I think I have blocked out a lot of that stuff because she actually just told me the other day when I was in the hospital, I had like pneumonia and I was just this tiny little kid and I was hospitalized. They had just gotten divorced and he broke her cheekbone because he found out she had been talking to her first boyfriend and they were divorced for like a year. Mm. So I'd imagine between that and the way that my stepfather was when I was raised, cause he was, he would look up the child laws to how hard you could hit a kid before you would get in trouble. There was a lot of that.
0: Wow. And
2: my mom was always the one that never saw it. I wasn't there. I didn't see mm-hmm. it, whatever. So I was, I guess you could say used to that. So to me, it wasn't the end of the world. Like this happened in families and, You know, I want to say this about my mother, though. She probably did the best that she could, too, because I know there was probably abuse in her family. You know, old-school Latina families, you know, this happened. You don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. You keep going, whatever. Um, So I think for me, it might have felt normal, and whatever part of me didn't think that it was normal wanted this dream of this wedding and this family so badly that I just was just like, I'm going to let it go. So... Did he go for a while before it
1: happened again?
2: Yeah. Like the the hitting didn't happen again for a while, but when it did, it really did. Um, We went to new Orleans to see his family and new Orleans is the town of Joe Rinky. And that's all we did. That was our favorite pastime together was drink. And we went to new Orleans And I was drunk and I don't know what got into me. A drunk person speaks a sober mind, I guess. But I started arguing with him about the first time he hit me. And we were staying like with his family and stuff. So this was for him, not the opportune time for me to bring this up. He wanted to go to a hotel and not stay with them. And I don't really know why, but I remember not wanting to go to the hotel with him. And again, 106 pound me. And he is this like, you know, six foot big dude. He wanted me to go into the hallway to go towards the room, and I was being stubborn, and I wouldn't. I had these big old six inch heels on, like an idiot. And he was just like, "You gotta go to the fucking room." And he took me by the arm and pushed me through the doorway. So you know those, you know those hotel rooms have those like metal lips on the doors that'll shut, like on the seams on the bottom of the door. and I I hit that, and I went flying and my jaw went like this like the way that my teeth hit it split and i hit my chin on the floor and i didn't feel anything at first obviously because i was super wasted and i looked up at him and the terror in his face was the moment that it registered that there was something wrong like what do you mean Apparently, because I was just like, okay, I'm going to get up and go to the damn hotel room already. It wasn't like you just fucking threw me through a door. Basically. I was like, okay, I concede. I'll go. But apparently because of the fact that I had to have six stitches in my chin, because when I looked up at him, it was gushing blood. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that at that time. And he was just like, Oh fuck. So we had to go to the emergency room. Um, and they had to give me stitches and I'm crying. And it's so weird in these moments of trauma, the shit that your brain goes to. Mm. Like you don't want to focus on what's happening. So I'm like, I don't want stitches. I don't want scars. And that's all that I was worried about. And he was being so sweet. He was standing over me. He was holding my hand. He was rubbing my face. It's okay, baby. It'll be fine. And that's all I could focus on. He's okay. He's my savior right now. When he was the one to put me in this mm. Place where I'm bleeding all over the place.
1: Did the hospital ask you what happened? Like, how did this happen?
2: No. The lie that I composed was that I had had these big stilettos on and that I tripped. And I told that lie for years. And when we got home, and this is again this abuser mindset, this narcissist mindset, he started crying. literally said that he was seeing God that he had this epiphany of what he needed to be as a person and he needed to confess something to me and I was like well what's that he's like well I was abused by a family member as a boy and I'm like just so like mind boggled by everything that's happening but the empath in me that he knew Mm-hmm. I was like well you You have to You have to like deal with this Did your parents know go tell them right now Like I'm literally six stitches And I had part of a tooth missing As well like I could feel the nerve Remember that story that I told about Kane later Yeah So he went and told His dad and made this big spectacle At that moment and then his parents were arguing About this is bullshit blah 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 bah Wait,
1: went and told his dad what? That he, had, that been he abused? had been abused. And it was this big diversionary
2: thing.
0: Wow. This is all happening over the weekend that you guys are visiting uh, New Orleans. And and his parents did not know they believe the story of you tripping. They they don't know that you guys have had this incident.
2: I don't think his mom did.
0: Oh, you think his so you think mm-hmm. his mom kinda knew?
1: Yeah. Because there's no way they don't know something's wrong with
2: their son. Yeah. I'm sorry I mean but they're also Old school Catholic family you Don't talk about it Because his dad was a very aggressive man You know he was very grumpy And he was kind to me Because I think that he liked That I would stand up so, Sort of To him Um, But I think his mom kind of knew Because she was crying so hard When we were leaving To go home And Fast forward to later when we broke up, she was kind of wanting us to break up. And I remember saying to her once, like, what did I do wrong? Like, why? Like, why? What did I do wrong? Like, why am I in the wrong in this? And she was like, you're you're not, honey. You know, and that's really most the most that she said. She was a sweet woman. Um, but I think she knew. Like, when we left there, and this is so, this is so, like, mind-boggling again to me the person I am now that how much I would like just put it away we went home and in New Orleans you can stop on the side of the street and get like alcoholic slushies and I was like okay we're just gonna get drunk again we're just gonna ignore and everything's fine I'm gonna forgive him he's been through all this trauma this is why I can help him (sighs) And I remember taking a sip of that slushy, and the ice cold slush hit that nerve of the tooth. And I remember for one second being like, what are you doing? But mm-hmm. I very quickly quieted that voice like that. We went home. I told the story on the air of how I had tripped and it was very indicative of me, right? Like, oh, little Miss Riley Couture loves her heels. And oh, it was the cobblestone in New Orleans. And I fell and I was just being stupid and drunk. It's fine. That was the only time I've ever lied to listeners, ever. And this is the sickest part. After I went and I had my tooth replaced by a client, and told that same story, as a matter of fact, he showed up to that appointment as I was getting the cap put on because he wanted to be supportive, which probably wasn't about that. No, he wanted to make
0: sure you were telling the story, Yeah, yeah, that you agreed to
2: probably. Yeah, so. Wow. What a controlling move,
0: by the way, to show up to your dental appointment. Unannounced? Or did he tell you he was coming?
2: He told me he was coming, but it was like this. I'm going to be there for you. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Like two weeks later, I found my dream ring on eBay. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Like it was this big two-carat rock, and it was like, going for like nothing. Some divorcee had gotten it. And he was like, well, I don't have the money for it. I have like this much money. And if you want it, then you'll have to pay for the rest, which is fine. You know, like, it's not the most romantic thing, but I was like, Oh my God, I want it. And I remember thinking in myself, like, Oh, well, I'm the one that wants this big ring. I should pay for it. And that's a whole nother conversation, but the way that he was just like, if you want it, then you pay for it type thing. So, We got the ring and like a week later, he got down on one knee, like I came inside and Pink was playing on the computer. And he got down on one knee and he had another bracelet, like the first one, but this time it had different stones and a wedding pillow. It had a little pillow on it with a ring on it. And he got down on one knee and he said, will you marry me? And I remember pausing In my head going say yes like yes get the word out say yes and sort of like ugly crying and I was like yes and like I called my mom and I was like we have a ring and she's like are you are you excited are you okay and I'm just like I think because in my head I was happy crying right Mm. but I think now back to it that I was not and he said to me like are you happy and I was like yeah everything's great Da da da! We're so happy, and from there on, we were okay for a minute. But how much time has passed at this point from meeting him? Ten months, maybe. Okay, so really soon. Wow. All right. Yeah. So we went back to New Orleans later on to like pick out my wedding dress. I picked out my wedding dress with his mom and his aunt, and that trip was magical. We were getting along. Everything was great. I fell in love with New Orleans. I heard all these stories of him as a little boy. I loved his family. It was amazing. And his dad, during that trip, I think it was Christmas time, had given me an amethyst stone because he knew that I loved jewelry so much. And for his dad being such a prickly man, I thought this was so great. Okay, everything, everything's going to be fine. And Yeah, they
0: pulled out a lot of stops for you. I mean, I can see how this
2: is very confusing. Because Yeah. So that trip was okay. But then there was always moments where I would have like this, the anger arise in me at inopportune times. And we'd had a fight about, I don't even know what. And we were screaming at each other so loudly that the cops came. Was this at his parents' house still? No, this was when we came back. Back to Memphis. After. And we were in my apartment, which was a part of an endorsement. I was living there, like, for free, like, for trade. So he was, we were screaming, and the cops came, and he was, like, leaving. Like, they were going to take him in the car to leave. And I was like, no, 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 please don't take him. What do you mean? Don't take him to jail. And all I was afraid of is that he would lose his job and then all this stuff would happen. And he's completely calm as a cucumber. He's just, he just leaves. And he came back the next day and he went and he was napping and I don't know why, but I started just being fueled with rage out of nowhere. And I jumped on him as he was sleeping. Wow. Was shaking him. I was so mad. I was pounding on his chest. And, ah, how could you do? Like It was just a break. And he got up and he had one of his, it was like a, a hat and it had like a plastic part of the bill on the back, or on the back of it. And he took it and he was whapping me with it. Just bam, bam, bam. And I remember just like, that expression of slapping the taste out of somebody's mouth. It was like, he did. And I remember at that moment being so fucking mad that I was in this situation, like something of my real self came out and that I wasn't like, I wasn't conceding. I wasn't whatever. And I was still trying to fight. And that one last whap I remember I had like broken capillaries in my mouth And everything was fine after that until a few days later. That, I missed this part of the story and this is important. The first cracks in the relationship that I first, that I forgot to tell you guys about was that I had heard through the grapevine because Memphis is a very small town.
0: Yeah, I wondered if you heard anything. Okay, yeah, Yeah. like if the ex-wife or an ex-girlfriend, you know, because I always feel like there's always side like the universe is always... Working right, so lots of times my friends that have been in these situations they hear from an ex, an aunt, somebody that's like, Beware, you know. Yeah,
2: so So, one of my best friends in the world at the time, God rest his soul because he's not with us anymore, Mm -hmm. had heard through the grapevine that he had been married to this local girl who was just not it, like, you know, she'd broken up a lot of relationships and whatever. And I asked him about it and he was just like, well, you got to go. I'm breaking up with you. The fact that you would think that I would do this, you got to leave, blah, 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 blah. Like he packed up all of my things and told me to go. I had to go to a remote that day and be on. Hold on.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I need to make sure I understand. You found out or it seemed like there was a rumor that he was married. Yeah. So- and you asked him, are you married? Not and married so he has, Was he
2: married to this girl at any oh, time? Oh,
1: before, not married currently. Because yeah. Yeah. you only knew about one
2: marriage. Yeah. And so this was in the very beginning of the relationship. But I'm bringing it. Sorry, I know I'm kind of all over the okay. place. I'm bringing it back no, no, to no, the no. future You're okay. as to why. After all the hitting and stuff happened. But he completely denied it, tried to break up with me, left me for like two, three days, then came back. So there was that story. That's why I'm bringing it back to this one. After all the hitting happened... And after that incident with the hat and like slapping me in the face with the hat, he got up and said, you know, I just wanted to tell you that I'm leaving you and what you heard about that girl was true. I did marry her the whole time in our relationship. He had professed that it wasn't true. How could I ever think that he's not a liar. And he's like, it was true. And I'm leaving. And he packed bags and left for three days and then came back. And I said, like, why would you be so cruel as to say that as you're leaving me? And he's like, well, I wanted you to hate me enough to leave me because I knew that you wouldn't. Which was just a mindfuck Yeah, like, he's
0: a mindfucker for sure Oh my god I can Yeah, Even now I was, think about it and I'm like, what the fuck This is very confusing Yeah, I mean, I can see how A woman would get caught up in this For sure I mean And, you know, yeah I mean, it, it, we talk about this How it connects a little bit To our our whole situation At the Kane show, you know I mean, it, that whole environment at Hot 99.5, not physic. Well, I mean, sometime it came with throw keys and at Sammy and trash can. But anyway, it, it has some similarities in the um, psychological part of it where it was like, wait, is it me? Am I, you know, because I had a manager there tell me, well, if you just did more show prep, you know, then Peter wouldn't get upset. So it's like, OK, yeah, I'll do two and a half hours of show prep every day instead of two And maybe that will change. It's very confusing. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I
1: hate when when people say they find out a woman is being abused. And it, it usually by the time people find out, it's at the climax, like the worst of it. Yeah. And they're like, why didn't she just leave? People do not understand until you've experienced it. It's not just like. He's beating on you and then everything's normal, whatever. Like there is so much mental manipulation, so much gaslighting, so much poking at your abandonment issues. And it breaks you down over time until I mean, that's the epitome of gaslighting until you don't know what is reality anymore, especially if you come from past traumas that you're not healed from, because all they're doing is poking at that. It makes it well, all incredibly confusing. It's not black and white.
2: No, I mean, and even as I tell the story, I'm mm-hmm. going, oh my God, I'm re- remember, I'm like reliving all these pieces of it. So we were four months out from our wedding and things had calmed down again. So he came back and you just, okay. wow. Because you just wanted in there. Yeah, I wanted that story. I wanted the wedding. You wanted the dream. I wanted the dream. What about and really? What
1: if, you wanted the family. Yeah. I mean, at least that yeah, was with love. me is I was so yeah. pushing to get married and have kids because Same. I wanted a family,
2: a family. Yeah. And we'd planned this big wedding. Of course, clients were helping pay for it. It was this big talk of the town. I'd had my dress, all this stuff. And it was like to me out of nowhere, but not really. I think honestly, there might have been some part of him that could not deal with what he was doing to me, so it was easier for him to just be like, oh, I'm gonna dip out. And he broke up with me four months before our wedding. And I was begging him not to go. Wow. And when I say that I had like a psychosomatic break, I did, because I remember trying so hard to get him not to leave that I like, I started like scratching my face and I was like, please don't go. Like I'll die. If you leave me, like look what you're doing to me. Like I was, I think back to that girl and I want to give her a hug because I was begging this monster to stay and he just stone face just left. And I didn't tell anybody at first. I told my parents, but I didn't tell anybody on the air. Like I went to events wearing my engagement ring and just wasn't ready to like face it with the world. And a couple months went by with that, where my family were so scared for me that they were gonna like have me like committed almost. Like they were afraid the way that I was talking.
1: And they didn't know anything
2: about the abuse right no my fit my mom did like she oh. that's why they wanted me because i was all i could talk about is how much i wanted him back mm. like i was going to therapy and i was telling the therapist that i just wanted him back i just and it wasn't him i know that now but i went home to some of my best friends and there's this picture of me holding my best friend's like newborn son with these scratches down my neck and how sad is that like I'm meeting my best friend in the whole world's baby and that's what it was and I remember her saying to me like Raquel what are you doing so after that trip I went home and I started to breathe he'd been gone about two months at this point no contact nothing wow and I'll never forget this day it was the first day that I was like (sighs) okay, I can live, I can do this. I was running around my apartment with my dog and it was a sunny day, I had music playing and I get a text from Mm -hmm. him that said, I just went to New Orleans and I realized there how much I miss you and I hadn't been back with my family for such a long time and the last times that I went there was with you and I love you and I wanna work this out.
1: They always know. It's like it's clockwork. Always know.
0: Wow. Riley, wait, just to give everybody context. So at this time, did the radio station, did your coworkers have any idea what was going on? I mean, this is like a big thing wedding? to kind of keep secret. And then the wedding is called off, right? I'm assuming.
2: Yes. Thank you for filling that in. What I had finally told the, the people on the air that, you know, I had to call clients and cancel all of this. I... <laughs> I had to tell my friends, like, I'll give you back the money for the dresses. and Cause it was all planned, we were four months out.
0: Mm.
2: My parents had loaned me money for the wedding and I was like, you know, oh, you know, God, am I gonna be in debt? Luckily enough for me, all the clients understood. They were so nice, they didn't make us give deposits back and everything was like, okay, it's working out in my favor. And then, yeah, he came back and by that time, i had already had an interview for nashville i was picking up my life i wasn't going to stay in memphis anymore i was going to move on
0: and and had you been okay were you done with the radio station were you still working and you were just looking for another job they blown up the morning show. okay okay.
2: i was still on the morning show and i had a an interview i was in the process of it
0: okay so you just wanted a fresh start regardless of Mm -hmm. what was happening on the memphis radio show and you were applying to nashville
2: yeah okay and I was, I mean, I don't think I was a shoe in but you know, some of my previous mentors had given their word for me. And I was just in this, pro- like when you're in that process where they're gonna like fly you out there or you're going out there to see them, you know, you're pretty close. You're within the cluster of a few people. And he had planned another trip to New Orleans for us. as a weekend getaway. And the motherfucker planned it on our wedding day and I remember being at his house and crying cause it was such a beautiful November day. Like it was, would have been the perfect wedding day. And I remember crying and he got so angry at me. He's like, what the fuck are you crying about? Da, 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 da. Like I wasn't allowed to be sad about what had happened before. It was, you just have to be happy. We're back together. Cried the whole way to new Orleans and then I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to get it together. We're just I'm going to put it back in the compartment again. And the whole time throughout the trip, he's like, I've got secrets. I've got secrets. I know. I'm look- I want to look for a really pretty place. I want to find a really pretty place and get a really pretty picture of you. And I was like, he's going to fucking propose again. He's going to fucking propose again.
1: Proposing on what would have been your wedding day? Yes. Wow. How messed up is that?
2: Yes. Wow. So he didn't find this perfect pretty place we were going to get couples massages and i had a stomach ache i was in the bathroom taking the biggest duty i've ever taken and i opened the door to him down on one knee how freaking like metaphoric is that yeah right right like, like the smell of shit is literally permeating uh, <laughs> into the air and he is down on one knee With that engagement ring from before.
0: Oh, my
1: God. What a story to tell people when they ask how you got engaged. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Oh, my God. Is there any part in you that hesitated at
2: all before saying yes again? So weird. Is in that time? No. Mm -hmm. The first time I did. But this one, I was like, yes, I put it back on texted one of my best friends who was a bridesmaid was going to be a bridesmaid then was a bridesmaid at my wedding the, the one that really happened um and I sent her a picture of the ring I said well this happened she goes and did you say yes like every like people were just like what uh okay
0: that's good that people at least in your life were like you know at least they knew and they were saying to you okay this isn't normal i always think that's Some helpful. Of them. did that you know? snap you out of it at
2: all no hearing other my mom people was into it my mom was there mm-hmm. uh, i, I think that's part of her like compartmentalizing that's all part that. of her trauma too yeah so i got the news that i was getting the job in nashville and I was like, okay, great start. We're gonna go to Nashville. We're gonna move together. Everything's gonna be great. He had promised me that he was gonna move even though he didn't wanna leave his big money job. We got an apartment together that I couldn't afford on my own, but he promised me if I needed money, he would give it to me. And I did afford that by my own. I never asked him for money. I was very proud about that. Wait, but didn't you live together? So we lived together in Memphis, but when I was moving to Nashville, I had to get a new uh-huh. apartment for us to live together. And, But I wait, why is he saying he'll help you with? It was expensive. And he wanted me to get the bigger apartment for him to have more space when, when he moved came, in.
0: Or when he moved in. Ah, gotcha. Oh, so right. We but through. I just, I'm, I
1: thought I heard you say, yeah, maybe I wasn't listening. I thought I heard you say that he would said he would help you if you needed it versus yeah. we're getting a place together. We're going to split it 50-50. Well, because he was still in Memphis. He didn't come right away.
2: We had long distance for a little while, and we planned another big wedding. One that
1: we is he paying afford. for any of these weddings? Is he so chipping in?
2: First one, he was not, and this is what's the big monumental thing that he really does love me. We looked at venues. Mm. There was one venue we could afford and one we could not, so he took money out of his four hundred one k and made this big thing. Like, I know you want that one and I want you to have everything that you wanted. I want you to have this princess day. <sighs> so everything was semi-okay. He even showed up one night cause I missed him. I was on the phone with him and I was telling him how much I missed him. He couldn't, supposedly couldn't come to Nashville that weekend. And it was a Tuesday and he's like, hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta knock on the door. And then I hear a knock on my door. And he was there in front of me. And we had this magical night and I was like, okay, everything is gonna be fine again. Everything's great. One weekend when I went to Memphis, it got the worst it had ever been. We were drunk again and fighting and he was saying he was going to leave me again and this time now I was angry by that time um, I had signed for him to get a car because his credit was shit and he was saying he was going to leave me so I was just like okay well give me the keys to the car I'm taking this with me and he's like, no, you're not. I paid for that, that I was like, I'll give you whatever money you gave back. I'm not in like, this is my, my name. You're not gonna fuck my credit. I was like being strong about it. And he wouldn't give me the keys to the car. And so we were fighting about the keys to the car. I finally got the keys to the car. I was gonna, I wasn't really gonna take it, but I was just acting as if I was. And he took me by the throat <sighs> and got me up against the garage wall. And he's like, give me the keys. I don't know what was within me at that point, but I had them in my hand and I held them right here. And he kept asking me, give me the keys. And every time I wouldn't give them to him, he would squeeze harder. And at first it was just a hold, but then it became that I couldn't breathe. And I remember just feeling so defiant and like staring him in the face and not giving him the keys. Cause I was like, do what you're going to do. Like, I don't know. It was just like something that I was like, I'm going to feel strong in this. And then when it got to the space where it was getting to where I was like, oh God, this is going to get bad. I dropped the key. And the worst part about that is that I went in the backyard after he walked away from me to where he was sitting and got down on my hands and knees, literally, and begged him not to leave. me Because I was so fixated on this story working. This had to have been it. You know, like I was 30 at that time. I needed to have this family. This was my chance. This was going to be it. And this time he was really telling me to go. He called my mom and was just like, she needs to go. And I packed up my dog and my car and drove the four hours to Memphis. Wait, he's saying you need to leave your place in Nashville? That was when I went to see him in Memphis. So oh. And the then I was traveling back and forth. So this happened in Memphis? Yeah. Because he okay. hadn't been there yet. He was saying gotcha. he was going to get rid of his job and didn't. So that was made up again. But he Wait, was- so you left? I you left, left this? I left Memphis, went back to Nashville, wow. did the show the next morning. That's amazing. That's and- amazing. I remember one time I posted a picture of my nails and it showed my ring and I hadn't told listeners that we were back together yet. But someone saw it and they commented on it and they were like, oh my God, Riley, please tell us, are you guys back engaged? We're so excited. Memphis listeners didn't know, but Nashville listeners did. But these were Memphis listeners that were like, oh my God, are you engaged? Blah, blah, blah are you guys back together? We're so happy. Cause I didn't know the, all, all the abuse. And there was a woman underneath there that said, I give it two years and nobody had ever been that mean about us. And I was like, what is this? I had some premonition that like some may right there because he'd been like tapering off and like not taking like job offers seriously and talking so negatively. And I called him and I asked him about it. And I was like, What? Who is this person? And he went off. You fucking ruined my life. You're a fucking bitch. You're just so dramatic. i blah, 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 like flipping out. And he's like, I'm not coming. We're not getting married. Blah, blah blah blah. And at that moment, I said, like, You're wrong. Like you are wrong for this. I was like, Do you realize you've maligned my whole life and you keep dangling this carrot just to take it back I was like you're fucking wrong for this I said you know you realize you make me want to kill myself when you do this to me and his last words to me I hope you do I hope you go slit your fucking throat wow at least I had the strength in me to not That was enough. And I wasn't okay for a long time. Every moment that I could, when I got off the air, I would just be, I would drink and I would, I was just alone. Like I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want help. And it took a very very long time before i was like okay with all that like and what's so crazy is i used to sit in the corner of my apartment and look at that ring and put it on like you know that scene from way back in the day if you ever seen sex in the city where charlotte's putting on her wedding ring and she's just walking around her house and like it's still yep. trying to have that dream i went through Months and months of counseling after that. And my counselor's office was right next to the venue that we were supposed to get married at. <laughs> so that was also a gut check to weekly have to go look at that.
0: How did you how did you even know though to get therapy? Because I think I mean, I think that's actually kind of what's pretty amazing about your story is, you know, a lot of people never get the chance or never really want to do the work, like we were talking about mm-hmm. at the start of this, to really look inward. How did you, I mean, did you read a book? Did you see something on TV? Like, how did it click with you that you needed a therapist?
2: I don't even think that it really clicked. Nobody told me to, because I was always, like, the strong one, you know? And I think somewhere in myself, I knew that if I didn't seek out help from people that really knew how to help me, Because my mom was always just, no, it's fine, it's fine. And, you know, my friends were so far away that I think somewhere innately I knew that it wasn't going to be good if I didn't. Because then I was like alone dealing with the grief of letting someone do this to me and not having the strength to like leave. And I had built this whole new life supposedly with him and this, you know, wedding wasn't happening. And I remember just being like, I, I got to do something like, cause there was times where I would not even get out of bed if not to let my dog out. And I remember saying to my friend at the time, like, I wish the wedding just would have happened. Even if we got divorced, I wish the wedding would have just happened. And she was like, Briley, why? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I just felt like that one magical moment would have made it all worth it and she said to me like no she was southern she used to call me Raquel Bell and she was like baby girl when you get married someday it's going to be the most magical thing ever and you're going to understand why this didn't happen mm-hmm. she's also not with us anymore either so that like I always thought of that but I did not have another boyfriend for six and a half years after that. Wow. I was going to ask you
1: how long from the time that, you know, it finally ended, did it take for you to see it for what it was? To realize it wasn't your fault and about you, to see him for who he really was?
2: It was... Oh God, I don't, in total, like in full, you know what I mean? Probably not for like a good four years. Like in that time too, right after this breakup. Oh, I get the call to go to Atlanta. And I'm like, I don't want to, I almost didn't go to Atlanta. But I think the realization when I realized that everything was going to be okay. I was gonna be okay. <laughs> it was literally right before I had my son. I remember mm-hmm. a week before when I was pregnant, I was still pining over this fucking ring, right? Not the week before I had my son, but a couple of weeks before I had my son, I was trying on the ring and I sent my friend a picture of it. And she's like, when are you gonna fucking let go of that? It's like a ghost in your closet so i knew that i had to get a mommy car versus the mustang that i had and i was like okay if i'm gonna let go of this ring i'm gonna get something my one big thing that i'm gonna get before i'm a mom and everything becomes about the baby and i sold that ring and bought my car and i remember watching like my Mustang that I love so much, like drive away into the dealership. And then the big white car came out and I remember being like, okay. Like that was the last piece of whatever was like with Memphis. And I was like, now it's, this is, this is my new life. Like there was new life coming in literally into the world. And it was like, I was becoming a stronger person. I had to, you know, so many people ask like, you know, how did you, get through that how did you leave him and that was the only thing that I regret it's funny how this this came around later too when so many people asked me about like leaving radio and stuff it's like I only regret not having enough self-worth to leave that no fairy tale or somebody else's idea of a fairy tale is worth that because the minute that i let go of strangling god and the universe to give me what i wanted in life was the minute i got it all all of it so i I just
1: tell you i was just gonna say i've been thinking at this whole time you've been telling the story how crowd seems a little condescending but just how amazed i am and how grateful i am there's the word that you did tell that part of the story about how you begged him to stay about how it was him. You know, it wasn't, you had this, I'm picking myself up and leaving this abusive situation. I love that you told that because it's, It's honest, and it's what so many women can relate to. I can so relate to being so desperate to hang on to the idea of finally having a husband or a man that's going to fill that void. My father left or whatever, that I would hang on to any relationship just because I needed that void to be filled. So I'm so in awe and grateful that you told that part specifically. Yeah, because like, it's real I'm, life. It's true, and so many of us can relate.
2: Yeah, it's like my husband when he, he hears these stories, he's like, who, "Who the fuck was that?" Because in our wedding vows, I actually said to him, "Like, thank you for fixing a heart you didn't break." Because when I met him, <sighs> I was so like, "You will not open a door for me. I'm misindependent. We're not. You know, I'm gonna be your wife, and I'm gonna have my own money. I'm gonna have like, there was no like, I'm not gonna lean on you for shit." You know, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop when he came around. He's always telling me keep those shoes tied. He still tells me that now. Like even married, and as much as I love him, and you know, I have my we have our sons, and you know, he can go anywhere. If he goes anywhere, I'm like gonna last him and bring it back. Like, but even now, I have those issues where you know, if it, the you know, if he's silent or whatever, like I, what's wrong? What's you know, like. Not that I think Marshall would ever, one ounce of him could ever be that. He's the most genuine, kind, wonderful man that I've ever met. You know, it's so nothing I always to do say, like him. If, yeah. if, if it's not you, it's nothing. Like I, I, I'm going to be an old lady and I'm going to lock all the lady parts up. The, if it's not you, it's nothing. But even now, I do still have some residual like issues with that, that I always feel like there's something in me, that, like something bad is going to happen. And that's still work that I do today. That's still work that I'm like, Marshall loves you more than anything. And me too with him. But it's, you know, it's always a journey, it's not a destination. Uh, and
0: uh, well, I'm, cu- I, I'm curious, how did you attract your husband? Like, how did you break that cycle? Because I think for a lot of women and men listening, right, they attract. They go to therapy. They see, I I know they attract the same person over and (laughs) over, right? (laughs) Natasha and I have talked about this. And I had this pattern with, because my dad passed away when I was like 15 years old. So, you know, know, it's this weird psychological thing where you just like stop maturing and you're sort of looking for that father figure like we've all just discussed. So I kept Mm -hmm. attracting these older men, older men. And I hated it because they're old, you know? I mean, they (laughs) want to do old men things, right? And I'm like, no. And, And people would look at me like an old man... Ed was super nice that people knew on the Kane show, but we would go out and people would be like, "Why are you with this guy?" And I'm like, "Oh, you know, I you know, I kept like making all these excuses." And it wasn't because he wasn't a, a good person. It was just like they were like, "This doesn't. It's odd. Like you should be with someone your own age. You have a lot going on your own age." I had to sub. I had to actually consciously like find out how old the guy was if he was divorced with kids or getting divorced because I went out with many of them you know they said they were getting divorced or whatever so I had to consciously not date that person I'm curious as a manifester that you are how, how did you attract somebody that I'm assuming did not come from or if did come from seeing you know a dysfunctional marriage like had the awareness to not repeat that cycle how did you do that
2: What's funny that you say that, it's so funny how much we all have in common, because right before Marshall, I was actually dating a guy older. He was 23 years older than me. No, maybe not 23. <laughs> I know, I was, I've been there. Wait, That's I was 37, 36, he was 54, so whatever that math is. Yep. And- Like 18? Yeah, yes, I dated so a guy 17 not. years older. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Yeah, yes. and he, I remember he said something to me once, like, oh, if we ever got married, I would pay for the bills. I would be the provider. And I remember I was like, what? First of all, I said nothing about marrying your ass. And I remember in my mind, like I was a single mom. I was broke. And like the security of that was attractive to me and him. But when he like broke up with me and I was so sad, I was like, wait a minute. We're doing this again, girl. No, that's not for you. Let it go. And I remember I started reading The Secret.
0: Yeah, you have to be- that. yeah that's good.
2: Yeah. But the moment that I literally feel like I manifested Marshall was when I was doing my 2017 vision board and I was or 2018 vision board and I was crying over it. And I remember literally like out loud having a conversation with myself as I'm putting bridal stuff, baby stuff, house stuff on this vision board. Which is sort of counterintuitive to manifestation, but that's a whole nother conversation. I remember saying like, okay, God, if this is it, if this is my life, that it's just me and my son, that I am choosing right now to be okay with that Mm. because that is better than chasing after these swinging dicks that are treating me like shit. I would rather be alone and be the best mom that I can to be my kid and be the best radio personality and the best friend and the best, whatever else it is that I can control than letting all of my happiness land in somebody else. That was December 31st, January er, 2019. I met Marshall January 6th of no, December 18, whatever. New Year's Eve, December 18. I met Marshall January 6th of 2019, seven days later. And there was a lot of manifestation practices in between there too. Um, But it was really all about finding out what I said before in the beginning about what did I do wrong? What did I accept? What would I never accept again? That was my biggest thing. And Marshall has, he, he did grow up with abuse, he did. And I think he was the other way around. He wasn't going to repeat that. Yeah.
0: Some people have that. They they see it and they're like, never again. Yeah.
2: Why didn't I get that gene?
0: I know. Well, it's, it's hard. Some it's, it's hard. And it's funny you say that because my therapist had me write down because I kept attracting these older guys. What is, what do you really want? And it's, interesting I think sometimes when you physically write it down and then you kind of like you said you let it go sometimes it's just so subconscious I think you attract that yeah yeah in your
2: journal I know in my journal me too I literally read this to him 11 9 2017 I read this to him on our wedding day I said I'm so grateful for my amazing husband I'm so grateful for my son and my daughter well I didn't get that one right
0: (laughs) you never know there's still
2: time I, oh, what? I'm so grateful for my successful podcast. What? That's crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So there's a lot more stuff in here about my husband and being specific about what I wanted and having a vision for my life and having a vision of what I wanted. I got real specific about. His attributes. I said I wanted a man with a sleeve of tattoos. Oh, <laughs> he didn't have one full sleeve when he met me, and uh, a week later he got it.
0: Wow, that's um, real detailed. You know, I was just like, I just Riley, want a man my own age who's not married. Oh, I, married.
2: I said he can't like sports. He can't. He, he doesn't want to share a closet with me, which we don't oh, have wow. to share you, closets. He got really. I detailed. said he'll be amazing at some on, of our plans, like literally i tell people this in manifestation all the time get fucking specific like literally ask for what you want because if you don't ask believe and receive it nobody's gonna do it for you literally it is true i don't don't give a shit if it's placebo (laughs) and i know like kim zolciak mirman said that first or whatever she was the first person to make that kind of famous but it's literally true like if you actively put into motion what you want in your life and you act as if you already have it that's what that was about because i didn't have a husband at that point but I was writing down the things that I wanted and the things that I knew I wanted that I wasn't just wanting a wedding. I did put that in there. Thank you for my perfect wedding because <laughs> it was what I wanted. I don't whatever, yeah. and I did get that. Um, but I, I had a rose quartz crystal because rose quartz is the ultimate stone of love. I held that with me Every single night, every single night before I went to bed, I said, thank you, thank you, thank you for the best thing that had happened that day. That's my biggest practice in manifestation. If I let everything else go to the wayside, journaling and all these other active practices, that was the one thing that I always kept was that, because the idea behind that is that if you go to bed thinking about the best thing that happened to you that day, So then you have a great sleep and you wake up and before your feet hit the floor, you say the same, thank you, thank you, thank you for the best thing that's going to happen that day. I did a lot of that with manifestation. And it was crazy how when Marshall and I met, it was like, there was no questioning it. We were also dopes and like two months in planning a family. We got pregnant with our first that we lost like three months in, four months in, he was planning the ring. We would have gotten married a year later, but we had a pandemic in Malin. but when it's for you, it's going to be for you. But again, I don't think that I would have been able to accept the love from Marshall. Had I not gone through a lot of therapy and a lot of self-work and stopped drinking. And I guess you can say, I'm grateful for all that horrid time because mind you Marshall, it took him three days, three, three times to ask me out. (laughs) Cause I was like, Nope. I'm done. I'm going to do dry January. I'm not dating anybody. And then finally, I was like, all right, fine, fuck it. One more time. One more time. i will go on one more date. The rest is history. So. Wow.
1: It, I it, love you like, learn to be happy on your own first with yeah. what you had. Like how you said, if that's what I say all the time, God, if this is it, if I'm not meant to find love again, like, thank you for this amazing life that I do have. Cause I and know even, how blessed I am and being even, happy know, with on your own. Yeah.
2: Yes. Even now, like, Bethany Frankel said this of her first marriage. And I know that that's not a good example because it didn't work out, but she said this sat with me that like the sum of us is, is greater than, than each of its parts. So we're whole on our own, but together we are better for lack of a less cheesy term. But yeah, I think that I'm, I'm glad to be able to tell this part of my story again, because there's so many women that will DM me and be like, I'm so embarrassed. You're such a strong woman. Like, what do I do about this? Like, please don't mm-hmm. judge me. I'm like, listen. It has like,
1: nothing to do with your yeah. your strength. and No.
0: I don't It know. can happen. I, it, I, I mean, we bo- we all know so many people that it's happened to. And, you know, I mean, and there are men that are in such toxic relationships with women who had toxic mothers who attract that woman. And mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to like, change that cycle it's that's what i think is just so powerful about your story natasha's my own just i think that's such a gift to give people listening is the awareness that you can break a cycle i mean What Mm -hmm. you and Marshall are doing with your own family. I mean, it's just, and I'm sure we all have, you know, our parents did the best they could with what they had, you know, and it's like to change that is like the greatest thing you can ever do. And I I feel like no one ever gets credit for just that because it's so simple. It's not simple. It's so, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think it's glamorous, you you know, Yeah. right.
2: it's simple and hard though it's
0: it's hard people don't understand you know people that that go grow up like you you know seeing abuse or see you know it's really hard to not to differentiate that you
2: normalize that right I never thought that like when I it wasn't until I went through years of therapy later that I was like wow that really wasn't fucking normal like yeah I thought that's just how I grew up I thought that's how everybody grew up and then you know I would have certain like friends throughout the years or maybe even boyfriends that were like just come and go and I would see their family and, oh what you guys don't fight you don't get wasted on tequila and scream at each other on Christmas day like right. you you know you, you never got hit what it was so foreign that's, to me
0: that's what Robin the therapist taught me about the radio station you know what was happening at the cane show she's like you're in an abusive relationship where one day you go to work and you're like getting slapped across the face and the next day you're being told we love you oh you, we, you know we don't want to find another Sarah you know it it's like it was I, I i didn't until she gave me that analogy i didn't realize what was happening there was so toxic you know it's it just takes You're that just,
2: moment yeah like you go through a phase where i think at least for me in relationships like in my personal relationships and stuff like that where i kind of knew that it wasn't okay so i wasn't completely oblivious to someone hitting me and, you know, knocking my teeth out in stitches. I, I knew that that wasn't right. I knew that's not what I wanted, but this dream of what I really did want overrode any, any sense of like, you know, rationale that I had. But that's why I think that I've been so blessed by the art of manifestation and sharing it with other people is because that was the thing that got me through a lot. And it still does. Like. You know, it's not to say that like marriage now is all Skittles and rainbows and roses because it's not. No, it's a
0: lot. of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot, work lot of to work to have a good but, marriage. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, but I mean, I think I, I know it's annoying. I equate everything to working out. If I want a nice ass, I have to do the squats. If I want a nice marriage, I have to do the work. Totally. So it's just I think it's very for everyone that has ever said like, Oh, my God, you have this perfect relationship. I want that. And I'm like, for me, yes, I have finally found the perfect relationship for me. But as much as I do believe I manifested it, there was a long road to get to that space where I was able Mm -hmm. to accept it.
0: Yeah. Well, so. you put in a lot of like you said, you put in a lot of work. It wasn't just writing in your journal, you know, this is the guy. You you actually went to therapy and I'm sure addressed some deep rooted things. It's so funny when you were saying that, I was like, Oh, the next episode we should all have our moms on. And
2: oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's uncanny though much. how much we as women have about so that. like just this trio, have so much in common that I'm discovering all the time that I'm just like and even me, it makes me feel less alone. Really, it does. Yeah. It makes me it feel does like what was wrong with me that i you know even now after all the work i still have those moments so like i just i'm really like i'm glad that it resonated with you natasha too because i know like you've had a similar road in that way um I'm not gonna, well, i don't want to cry anymore
1: <laughs> i know no, it's like i was telling you you know, outside of this episode, we weren't chatting the, it only happened to me once physically, you know, been in many emotionally abusive relationships. And the hardest part for me was not, I mean, it was really hurtful seeing somebody that I trusted do that. But the worst part was it took away this security that I walked around with before. You know, I'm tiny little Latina like you. And I felt like I could get up in his face and say whatever I wanted. And if I wanted to go off, I'll go off. And to then be see how fragile I actually was was the most shocking part. You know, that do you know what's crazy? A about man that? can just pick you up. Like you you are not invincible that that messed with me for
2: years my friend that i was telling you about the one with the southern accent she actually Mm -hmm. called my ex-fiance once and she goes you know i'm really scared for her about you because she's not afraid of you but i am she's like i'm afraid of what you're going to do because she's getting to this space where she's not going to back down and you're going to hurt her so, there's so yeah. many layers to that type of abuse that so many people don't talk about. And I don't care if it's beating a dead horse because I know there's millions of others that have done it before us and hopefully we'll do it after.
1: But there's so much it takes away from you beyond yeah. just the physical. In fact, I, it's like the physical injuries are the least destructive
2: yes, part of it. Because I actually told Marshall when we were first together that I was like, I wish there's certain parts of me that that were left in that in Memphis that day, I was being choked against a wall. I said, I wish you could have seen that piece of me that was so willing to love without, you know, mm. without that moment of like, what do you got under your sleeve? But you know what? He got the better half of me, so it's okay.
1: He did, and I don't, I just, I want women to, who are listening to this, who are relating to this, who are probably still in the middle of this to realize like be gentle with yourself with wherever you are right now. If you are still, you know, holding on to the, but I want a family, but he he's the husband or the father, like you can't let go of that because of whatever issues you have. Just be gentle with yourself for where you are today and just make the next right decision for yourself because mm-hmm. it takes years to be for us to be able to talk about this in hindsight. This isn't something we just woke up one day and, all of a sudden realized, oh, this is why I did this behavior and this is why he did this and this is why it was unhealthy. It takes a long time. And there's some parts of me that still aren't healed. You know, I say I'm not dating because, and it's mostly true because I just want to focus on me and the kids and what makes me happy. But I don't know how to ever trust somebody again not to change. I don't know how how to ever trust that somebody is who they seem to be at the
2: beginning. So I'm not ready to do that. No, and when God and the universe want it for you, that person's gonna pop their head in your face. and be like, what the fuck did you come (laughs) from? I'm not (laughs) ready. You know, like it's, it it will So just, yeah, I know.
1: But I'm gentle with myself that I'm not there yet now. I'm not, and that's okay. And wherever you are at today, make sure you're safe. Make sure your children are safe, but reach out for help, DM one of us. Like I was telling you, I have a little group of women going through nasty divorces that we talk over direct messages, like Mm -hmm. just make the next small right decision. If it's asking for help, then that's your next step. Not be fully healed. Just the next right small step.
0: I like that. That's such great advice. I was going to say that's amazing advice. Um, Well, I feel like we could always all talk for like, Three hours. So, oh, you know, we could. (laughs) I don't know what our next episode is going to be, but it will come. Um, no, you guys have an idea for it, you guys. Tell us, tell us.
2: No pressure. When I was, I was, I started talking to Natasha about this a little bit too, but I've been trying to delve into somatic therapy because it's the idea that your Mm -hmm. body stores that trauma, especially as women, in specific places of your body. And it's these types of exercises and therapy and massage and all this integration to how to release that trauma out of you because there are some people that talk therapy doesn't work for because it's like mm-hmm. reliving it. So I think yeah.
0: we should... What do you- I'm all ears for that. Somatic is like what? Like tapping? Is it like... Is it... So-
2: it's smaller exercises because you guys know that I love to do the grind in the gym, right? But it's a lot more of more yoga, Pilates-esque, but there is some tapping. There's like an actual exercise where in somatic therapy, if you're feeling anxious or you don't yeah, know I've why, so whatever, I do the tapping. Pink does it, but this one is actually one where you're like shaking your whole body. This came up to me when I had my second son who has sort of like, I think he has some ADHD issues that like he likes to be rocked a lot more. If you think about that as a child in your womb, you are rocking and knocking all constant. The time. Yeah. My therapist actually tells me sometimes to do this when I was I, just going to say, I would love anxious. if somebody rocked me. <laughs> yeah, right. Amazing. Rocked, put me in a, put me in a snuggie. Hell yeah. But there is, it's, it's a whole different type of movement but I'm interested in it. I haven't really found anybody yet that I'm like okay, so yeah. connected with that. I would want to like go there because there's some videos of somatic therapy when you go deep into it, that your, your trauma is like release, but it's the idea that once they do that specific trauma, at least in your body leaves you.
1: Oh, I know I still carry it all oh, with me. No. It comes out as tension headaches. It comes out as, you know, my autoimmune disease didn't get bad until after I went through all the things, you know, the stressors in my adult life. You absolutely carry it with you. So I'm all ears. Yeah. Somebody tap me. Let us know. Wait, that sounded bad. (laughs) (laughs) I will tap you.
0: Not like tap that. Like, yeah, I'm going to stop. Rock (laughs) me. Uh, All right, ladies, where, where can people find you guys? What projects are you working on? Let's all promote.
2: So a lot of people have been asking, when is my next manifestation seminar? And that is in the works. Um, I've done about six of them by now. And they're my favorite thing to do to share some of those tips. And then beyond, there will be one coming up within the next two months. But I got to work out logistics of it. People have been asking me, where can you get my crystal intention candles? I have one pop up coming up on February 18th. And if you want to hit me up on socials at Riley Couture, Couture spelled like juicy Couture, at Really Riley Podcast and at House of WI Riley.
1: Nice. Um, well, people can always reach me mostly on Instagram, Ms. Ms. Pink like the color, monster like Rar. Uh, also on TikTok. But I'm excited through the encouragement from you two. I finally have my first podcast coming out. Yeah. And it is all about. Um, just really how I got through everything in my story is my journey of faith and the healing of faith. And if you feel stuck in your spirituality, you feel like you're not growing in your relationship with God. This is just a nice little sit down with us ladies to just one little step at a time,
0: keep growing. She's the female Joel Osteen. I can feel it. I know, right? <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love Joel's podcast.
1: Yeah. I love Joel's oh, podcast. So. He creeps me out. Really? <laughs> Listen to him? The
0: giant teeth and stuff. He just, yeah, I feel this slimy. He, and Victoria, he always is talking about his wife, Victoria. Oh my uh, gosh, I, I don't and know, her with the hair. The hair and the plastic surgery. Um, yeah, there's just something about Joel's overly positivity that I I enjoy. I don't know. I just love a good pep talk from Joel Osteen. But, uh, yep. but here's something be better. For you.
1: Just don't send your credit card information.
0: <laughs> don't worry. I don't give him a dime. I'll give you a dime to your church. Uh, <laughs> okay. You guys, it's amazing. Um, and the Sarah Fraser show seven episodes a week so please tune in you guys have been amazing to support all of us and I love doing conversations like this and of course mixing it up with mm-hmm. reality TV so what a dichotomy from reality right? to deep chats yeah there you go I always say it's your balance. It's the balance. Mm-hmm. We have these chats and then
1: you go talk about Sister Thousand Pound Sisters. Yeah, it's balance.
0: It. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Love you both. We'll talk right, to you soon. Ladies. Bye, ladies.
2: Bye. Whew, that was a doozy, you guys. I love you, love you, love you. Uh, thank you, times three, for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed it and connected with it, if that's uh, the way to say this, you know, because I know that a lot of that was like a lot. It was a lot for me to relive and say, but I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for Sarah. Um, Please subscribe to the Sarah Fraser podcast. I'm grateful for Natasha. Please watch the video on her YouTube channel. And she has an amazing new podcast out. She read it herself. Uh, Really excited for her. So I hope you guys will subscribe and listen to that as well. Um, Yeah, I just am so grateful for you guys to be in my corner today after. All of that. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, maybe you just need an ear, hit me up at really Riley at gmail.com. You can hit me up on the socials. Um, at really Riley Podcast, at Riley Couture, and at House of W by Riley. And speaking of House of W by Riley, I really hope to see you guys out at the pop-up tomorrow. Um, that's going down from noon to three at Settle Down Easy Brewing. It's going to be so much fun. And, Hey, if y'all want to give me a hug, I could use one after all that, but (laughs) I love you longest and thank you for listening. I will talk to you on Monday or at the pop-up on Saturday. It's really Riley.